Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is made possible thanks to kind donations from my listeners and support from my sponsors. And today I'd like to tell you about Spoken. And Spoken is a really convenient way to learn English with messaging apps like Line, WeChat, WhatsApp, Viber, and Facebook Messenger. It's basically like having an English coach in your pocket. You have private lessons with trained native speaking instructors through your messaging app. With Spoken, you can chat with your instructor, do the tasks that they send you, and get some English into your daily life. Sign up with Spoken for a free 60-minute one-to-one private lesson with a trained native speaking instructor, okay? You can just get this 60-minute private lesson, and then whether you choose to go any further with Spoken is completely up to you. It's a no-strings-attached trial. 60-minute one-to-one private lesson and a free assessment of your current English skills. The one-hour free lesson is through an intensive messaging-based lesson, so lots of messages on your phone. The vast majority of those messages exchanged are actually voice messages, so you're speaking into your phone. And um, Luke's English Podcast listeners receive 20% off for the first month of your plan, regardless of which plan you sign up for. Okay, so 20% off everything, a free 60-minute trial lesson, no strings attached, and then 20% off anything if you choose to take one of their courses. To qualify for all of this, and for more information, you just need to use my URL, which is getspoken.com slash LEP. Getspoken.com slash LEP, or click a Spoken logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Luke's English Podcast. This episode is going to contain loads of jokes and their explanations. Listening to this might give you a chuckle if you understand the jokes, and at the very least, you'll learn some English in the process. So the Edinburgh Festival, and yes, it's pronounced Edinburgh, not Edinburgh or uh, Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh. The Edinburgh Festival is an arts festival that happens every August in Edinburgh, Scotland. And it's officially the largest arts festival in the world. And it includes all kinds of art, including theatre and dance. However, there's also an alternative festival that runs at the same time, and this is perhaps the more famous one these days. This alternative festival is called the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, or simply Edinburgh Fringe, or even just The Fringe. Now, the word fringe, uh, F-R-I-N-G-E, this means edge, basically, and it's a way of referring to performances which are alternative, on the edge, different to the mainstream acts. And these days, this largely means comedy, particularly stand-up comedy, that form of comedy which involves someone standing on the stage armed only with a microphone and their witty jokes and stories. 
The Fringe gets a lot of media coverage because that's where the country's best comedians are often discovered. It's a huge event for the industry and in fact comedy, stand-up comedy, is a huge industry in the UK. It's comparable to the music industry. Also, it's pretty entertaining for us to read the year's best jokes when they are published in all the newspapers. So I was going to do an episode about the best jokes from this year's Edinburgh Fringe, because every year a TV channel called Dave, yes, Dave, that's the name of the TV channel. So every year at this TV channel called Dave, Uh, chooses their favourite jokes of the Fringe. Dave is the sort of channel on TV in the UK where you get lots of comedy. And it's called Dave, you know, because it's like, uh, it's got the identity of like a sort of an English lad or something. Anyway, Dave, the TV channel, uh, chooses um, their favourite jokes of the Fringe and people vote for the best, basically. So the jokes are then published in the newspapers and shared around on social networks. Someone asked me to do an episode about that, about um, the best jokes of Edinburgh 2018. Someone asked me to do that. I'm sorry, I'm afraid I can't remember who that was. If that was you who asked me to do it, then thanks for the suggestion. I get messages across lots of different platforms, and unfortunately, I can't really keep up, so I'm afraid I don't really know where I got that message, but someone asked me to do uh, the best jokes of Edinburgh 2018, and I had a look at some of those jokes, and some of them are pretty good, but not all of them, and I thought instead that I'd find a list of top jokes from all Edinburgh festivals uh, over, I guess, the last 10 or 15 years, just as a way to make sure that the jokes are basically good enough. Even still, these are just jokes made up by comedians at the festival, sometimes improvised live on stage. They're not those jokes that just go around and have no author. You know, those sorts of jokes that everyone just seems to know, they're kind of common knowledge, they get passed around, no one really knows who wrote them. Uh, They're not jokes like that. These are written by possibly desperate 20 or 30-something comedians, comedians who are sort of in their 20s or 30s, um, desperately trying to come up with funny material and often improvising things on stage, trying to make their audiences laugh. So in a way, um, I think that we we need to probably give a bit more credit to these jokes. You might not instantly find them funny, but we need to give them a bit more credit because they have been authored by people and in some cases just improvised in the moment. Now, I've never actually been to the Edinburgh Festival or taken part in the Fringe. Um, I am a stand-up comedian. I did the Brighton Fringe, which is similar but smaller. I did that three times. But I've never done Edinburgh. It's one of the world's biggest comedy festivals. Every year, thousands of comedians from all over the world go there, do their shows, and desperately try to get reviewed, get featured in the local newspaper articles, try to win awards, try to make a name for themselves. In my experience, I mean, having uh, known lots of people who've gone to Edinburgh as comedians, as far as I can tell, it just costs a lot of money. It's exhausting and you drink too much. So no thanks, not for me. But still, imagine the main street in Edinburgh at lunchtime in August. The whole street will be lined with aspiring comics flyering for their shows. Flyering, that means giving out little paper flyers which advertise their shows so that you're out there in the street trying to distribute your flyers. And if you walk down the street as a punter, as a just a, a a customer, a potential audience member, you'll pick up all sorts of flyers for all sorts of different shows. So 
at those shows, the, the comedians will be doing their best to make the audience laugh as much as possible, uh, probably interacting with the audience sometimes, talking to the crowd, asking them questions, but also delivering their pre-prepared uh, routines. And sometimes these jokes uh, come up. In fact, these jokes have been part of uh, routines by the comedians. To be honest, it's probably not fair to judge these jokes on their own. If you just take a joke on a piece of paper and read it or read it to someone, it's it doesn't really it's not the those aren't the best conditions for the joke to work. So it's probably not fair to judge uh, these jokes on their own because they belong in these comedians routines performed live. Usually in stand up the comedians don't just go up and tell some jokes. They don't just do one joke after the other. They go up and they tell stories about their lives, they share experiences and so on. And the jokes are included in the stories and they're kind of weaved in to the whole thing seamlessly. Sometimes you don't notice the jokes. It's not like here's another joke for you. Instead it it appears to be just someone talking, maybe sharing things about their lives and it's punctuated by laughter. It's not necessarily clear where the jokes are. These particular ones, I guess, have been chosen. They've been taken out, picked because they appear a bit like jokes that will work on a page. For a joke to work properly, um, for a joke to properly have a chance, it has to be delivered in context. And so much of that is about the person telling the joke, like what do they look like? What do they sound like? What kind of stories are they telling? What do we imagine about this person based on those things? Are they happy, unhappy, desperate, stupid? What's the attitude? Because that informs so much about what makes a joke work. All of this context informs the joke. So it's not really fair to just pick out the jokes on their own and then scrutinise them out of context. But that is exactly what we're going to do here and now in this episode. We're going to go through a selection of jokes from Edinburgh Fringe over the years. I'll tell the jokes and then we will scrutinise them for meaning and language, leaving the jokes uh, like dead frogs which have been dissected in a science lab at school. And remember, explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. Uh, because it's possible to learn something from it, but the frog dies in the process. In fact, in this case, the jokes may die in the process, in fact. Um, So just before we go into the jokes, here are some different types of joke. Typical joke structures. In fact, there are certain joke structures or techniques which get used a lot. They're very commonly used in stand-up routines. Typical structures. If they're very obvious in a routine, it can make the the, com- the comedian seem like he's unoriginal. But it, but if they're used well, they can be really really effective. So let's identify a few different um, joke structures. So first of all, we've got puns. Puns. These are word jokes. P U N S. A pun or puns. Word jokes. And this would be one word or phrase which means two things at the same time. And it's up to the comedian to arrange the situation so that the the two meanings kind of cross over on the same word or phrase. So it's like you're going in one direction and then because the word's got two meanings, it takes you in another direction. In fact, really, that's what jokes do. They lead you in one direction and then they take you off in an unexpected direction. And your brain kind of goes, you know, and, and that's when the laughter happens. It's when you kind of your brain is dealing with sort of two things at the same time and your brain goes, uh, it's kind of like a little brain fart. That's kind of what laughing at a joke is. And that's what jokes do. They just intersect little things where you think it's this and then in fact, oh, it's actually something else. And that's often done with word jokes that have the same words with the same meaning or phrases with the same meaning. And that's, you know, because of things like uh, homonyms, you know, words that two words that may uh, sound the same but have different meanings. Or in fact, even a phrase that when you say it quickly sounds like a word, you know, that sort of thing. 
The next structure is called the pullback and reveal. Pull back and reveal. And this is when the situation radically changes when we get more information. The pullback and reveal really comes from, I guess, cinema or the use of the camera, maybe TV, where you're, the camera's quite close on something and the camera pulls back and reveals the, the rest of the situation and it might, maybe, it might be different to how you expected or something. In terms of jokes, the pullback and reveal is basically where you, you describe one situation and then you give a bit more information at the end. You give some extra information at the end and, oh, what is a, that makes it funny. Okay, and there's lots of examples of the pullback and reveal. They're uh, they're basically um, often the most obvious joke structures because they're quite easy to do. And as a result, um, if you don't do a pullback and reveal very well, it can make you look like a very unoriginal comedian. And there's been examples. I mean, Stuart Lee and Richard Herring used to do a TV show. They're comedians from the UK. They used to do a TV show. And one of the features on the show was where they would uh, reveal the tricks of unoriginal hackneyed comedians. And the pullback and reveal was one that they did. In fact, they, they, they did several of them. The, one of them was, and then I got off the bus. Okay. And then I got off the bus is the information you give, which kind of reveals, oh, so he was on a bus. Oh. And so you can imagine it would be like, so, you know, I was doing a poo the other day. And, uh, oh, it's a really good one. I was training really hard. I was doing a big poo. And then I realized that I didn't have any toilet paper. Oh. And then I got off the bus, you see, and it's like, oh, oh, see, so he, he was doing a poo on a bus. Oh. Okay. And the other one is that um, I was I was 18 years old. I was 18 years old. No, I was 22 years old. I think that's it. I was 22 years old at the time. And that's where you describe a situation where probably it sounds like you're a child. Kind of think of an example. Um, something I was eight. Hold on. Okay. What I've decided to do is just play you uh, a clip of Stuart Lee and Richard Herring talking about the typical joke structure of the pullback and reveal. In this case, I was 28 years old. It was not 18 or 22, it was 28. I was 28 years old. So it's describing a situation and then revealing I was 28 years old at the time. And ha ha, it's very funny. So these guys are, they're making fun of unoriginal comedians and they're revealing the tricks of like shitty comedians. That's what the purpose of this is. And it's also kind of funny as well, because it's, it's a way of dissecting comedy in an interesting way. It's sort of postmodern or something like that. So this is, I was 28 years old. You know what I think, Stu? I think that comedy is the hardest job in the world. Yeah, indeed. What could be harder than getting up at five in the afternoon every day, working for as much as 20 minutes a night and getting paralytically drunk before going back to bed again? Okay, I think comedy is the hardest job in the world. And, and the other guy's like, yeah, what could be harder than waking up at 5pm, blah, 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 getting paralytically drunk. So basically, he's suggesting that comedy isn't hard because most comedians stay up all night and sleep during the day and they drink too much. You know what I think, Stu? I think that comedy is the hardest job in the world. Yeah, indeed. What could be harder than getting up at five in the afternoon every day, working for as much as 20 minutes a night and getting paralytically drunk before going back to bed again? Exactly. It's impossible. No, being a comedian is, in fact, the easiest job in the world. And today, we're going to share with you the comedy trade secrets that most comedians guard with their lives. We're like Penn and Teller on truth drugs. Do that, <laughs> this week... 28 years old. In the hands of the professional comedian, the dull phrase 28, 28 years, years old can be transformed into laughter semtex. That's right. Look, look how I confound you all here. You know, I remember going to the shops with my mum and I really needed a wee, but there were no toilets nearby. So she took me to the gutter, pulled down my trousers, and I had to go in the drain with everyone watching. 
28 years old I was. Oh, brilliant, Stu. I assumed you were about four no. years old. But then, later in the joke, I learned you were 28, 28 years, years old. Years old My yeah. expectations were confounded, and from thence the humour arose. That's right, Rich. <laughs> but once you understand the formula, it's oh so easy. Look at this picture here. My nephew did that. That's Good, nice. isn't it? Look at that. 28 years old. <laughs> It was a, like a, a child's drawing. Look at this picture. My nephew did that. Ah, ah, he's 28 years old. Ah, 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 hilarious. I imagine he was about four. No. Oh. No, he's 28. Oh. You know, I remember my first cub meeting. None of the other kids would talk to me. They were bullying me, pushing me around, knuckling me on the head. Oh. 28 years old, I was. Oh. I remember my first cubs meeting. Cubs is like the Boy Scouts. And all the other kids were pushing me around and bullying me. I was 28 years old. So he was the, the, the cub leader, I suppose. I thought you were about four. No. I was 28, and I was the Arcala. No. The Arcala is the Cub Scout leader, OK. Oh, I thought you were one of the Cubs. That was a double That's surprise. That's right, Rich, but beware. In the hands of an inexperienced comedian like Rich, the joke can fall flat on its stupid face. You know, Stu, I remember, it was the day of my 28th birthday. I... I'm going to have to stop you there, Rich. <laughs> you see, for the joke to work, the setup needs to give the impression that you're much younger than 28. Oh. Perhaps four. Oh, so try four. again. Okay, okay, I'll try again, Stu. All right, it's harder than it looks. Yeah. You know, Stu, uh, I remember sitting in my pram. Good. My father was there changing my dirty nappy. Yep. I'd soiled myself all over my fat little legs. <laughs> he was looking down at my hairless acorn winky. Mm. <laughs> I'd not developed the ability to walk or speak, so I started suckling away on my mother's breast. <laughs> 28 years old I was. It's <laughs> very sad of you. You had some kind of brain hemorrhage or mental breakdown. <laughs> no, it's a joke. Isn't well, it? I'm, I'm glad you think that mental illness is a fit subject for humour. No, I was just doing the thing from no, before, you know. No. We were all just laughing about it no. just now. You've embarrassed me, you've embarrassed the audience, you've embarrassed King Satan. I haven't. I haven't, have I? Yeah, see? Most of all, Rich, you've embarrassed yourself, haven't you? Say sorry. 28 no, years old. <laughs> I'm saying I'm sorry. We'll forgive you, Rich, but we can never forget what you have done here today. Okay, so it all kind of goes wrong there at the end. Anyway, right, so the pullback and reveal. So an, an example there. I was 28 years old at the time. Okay, um, and you will see more examples as we go through these jokes. Observational humour. This is just like noticing things about everyday life that we all experience, but we haven't really put into words yet, which is absolutely like the, the meat and potatoes of stand-up comedy, really. It's that kind of like, hey, uh, what's the deal with airline food, right? Everything's so small. What's going on with that? You know, that sort of thing. Um, observational humour. Just pointing certain things out. It's uh, very common. Similes. Here's another one. Similes. And this is very common too. And this is basically showing how two things are similar in an unexpected uh, and revealing way. Okay? Um, okay? A bit like saying explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. And you're like, ooh, how could these two things be similar? It's possible to learn something, but the frog dies in the process. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. All right. So similes, that's basically when... This blah 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 is like blah blah blah, and then you realise that it's making a funny comment about one of those things. So here you go, then, jo uh, folks. Here are the jokes, folks. Joke, folks. Folks, folks. Jokes. Here are some jokes written by some folks. Uh, you should now lower your expectations. Okay, don't expect to find any of them funny, but instead see it as an interesting experiment in understanding humour. 
And they say that learning or at least understanding jokes is maybe the hardest thing to learn when you're learning another language. So let's see. First of all, here are some of the jokes from the 2018 Fringe, which I think are probably the best ones, in my opinion. So here's the first one. This is the one that won the joke of the year. Keep those expectations low, please. Okay, and it goes like this. So working at the job centre has to be a tense job. Working at the job centre has to be a tense job. The job centre, that's the place you go when you don't have a job. You go down, you sign on at the job centre and they help you to find work, right? But working, imagine being someone who works there, right? <laughs> working at the job centre has to be a tense job, like a, uh, a nervous job, knowing that if you get fired, you still have to come in the next day. <whistles> Bang. Dang, tumbleweed. Oh, did anybody get... Is anybody out there? Hello, did you get the... Did you get the joke, everybody? No, we didn't. Uh, yes, I did. Okay. Working at the job centre has to be a tense job, knowing that if you get fired, you still have to come in the next day. Uh, I, I think it's a good joke, right? Okay, let's explain the joke. So, uh, because if you get fired, meaning if you lose your job, you still have to come in the next day because you'll come in looking for a job. So it's difficult because if you get fired, you still have to come in the next day. Okay, fine. Next one is um, this. And it said, I had a job drilling holes for water. It was well boring. <laughs> so this is, this is a, uh, a pun, obviously. I had a job drilling holes for water. I think we know what that means. You know, drilling, drilling holes in the ground for water. I suppose trying to find water underground. And the problem was it was well boring. So well, bo it was well boring. That means it was really boring. Okay. But also boring is another word to mean drilling. It's like a synonym of drilling. Okay. You bore a hole into something and a well is a, a hole in the ground that contains water. Okay, you dip your bucket into the well and pull it out. You have wishing wells. You throw money in the well and make a wish. So that's a well. So well boring could mean making holes in the ground, making wells. So I had a job drilling holes for water. It was well boring, meaning it was really boring, but also it was literally well boring. <clears throat> All right, everyone okay? Still alive? Good. Uh, here's another one. And that was by Leo Curse, that joke. Well done, Leo. Uh, this one is by a guy called Olaf Falafel. <laughs> it's already funny. Let's listen to his name. Olaf Falafel. He's got Falafel in the name. Okay. Don't get too excited. Here's the joke, and I like it. Okay, I'm just saying that straight away. And it goes like this. I took out a loan to pay for an exorcism. If I don't pay it back, I'm going to get repossessed. Well done, Olaf Falafel. I took out a loan to pay for an exorcism. If I don't pay it back, I'm going to get repossessed. So this is a joke on the word repossessed. Um, so an exorcism. This is when a priest comes to someone's house because they've been possessed by the devil. You may have seen the, the movie, The Exorcist. That's about an exorcism. Okay. So I took out a loan, meaning I borrowed some money to pay for an exorcism. But if I don't pay the money back, I'm going to get repossessed. Okay. So you can be possessed by the devil and then I suppose repossessed after the exorcism. If, if you don't pay it back, then the devil will come back. Sorry, you didn't pay your money. I'm going to have to possess you again. Excuse me. Um, 
that was the per- that's the devil possessing someone. Don't worry about this. It's just science science fiction. No, just uh, just a, just movie stuff. Anyway, I took out a loan to pay for an exorcism. exorcism. If I don't pay it back, I'm going to get repossessed. The other meaning of repossessed is when, let's say, you borrow money to buy a house and you can't pay the money back, then they repossess your house. It basically means they take take the house away from you. They repossess it. So repossessed, possessed like the possessed by the devil, repossessed, possessed by, by the bank. Yeah, I'm going to pay. I've borrowed some money to pay for an exorcism. If I don't pay it back, I'm going to get repossessed. Okay. All right. Let's carry on. Okay, here we go. We've just got about 12 jokes to get through here. When I was younger, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through all the jokes and then I'm going to go through them one by one. All right. So here we go. When I was younger, I felt like a man trapped inside a woman's body. Then I was born. That's by Yanni in 2015. This one is by Matt Kirshen from 2011. So I was playing chess with my friend and he said, let's make this interesting. So we stop playing chess. Love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably shit. That's care of Stephen K. Amos. Uh, Joe Lysett did this one. Life is like a box of chocolates. It doesn't last long if you're fat. Number five. I was raised as an only child, which really annoyed my sister. Okay, I didn't really give it a chance. I was raised I was raised as an only child, which really annoyed my sister. Will Marsh there, 2012. I have to give credit to the comedians for their hard work. Number six. I was thinking of running a marathon, but I think it might be too difficult getting all the roads closed and providing enough water for everyone. That was Jordan Brooks. This next one is Joe Bohr. I think I met Joe Bohr once. Was he boring? Don't, don't do that. My wife told me, sex is better on holiday. That wasn't a nice postcard to receive. (sighs) Number eight. If you arrive fashionably late in Crocs, you're just late. That's Joel Domit. Well done, Joel. Next one is by Paddy Lennox. So I was watching the London Marathon and I saw one runner dressed as a chicken and another runner dressed as an egg. And I thought, this could be interesting. (laughs) Number 10 by Jack Whitehall, the famous Jack Whitehall. I'm I'm sure when it, I'm sure wherever my dad is, he's looking down on us. He's not dead. He's just very condescending. Oh, fucking hell. I messed it up. I'm sure wherever my dad is, he's looking down on us. He's not dead. He's just very condescending. Alex Horn uh, from the Horn Section podcast. Did this one. My granny was recently beaten to death by my granddad. Not as in with a stick or anything. He just died first. Uh huh. Nick Helm in 2011 said this one. I needed a password eight characters long. So I picked Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And number 13. I like this one a lot. This is by Mark Simmons. I went to Waterstones, the bookshop and asked the woman for a book about turtles. She said, hardback. And I was like, yeah, and little heads. That reminds me of a Tim Vine joke, which goes like this. Hello, I'd like to buy a watch, please. Analog. No, just the watch. Okay, then. Oh, I think I've been bitten by a mosquito while recording this episode. I've got a really itchy ear. A mosquito bit me on the ear bastards aren't they anyway when i was younger i felt like a man trapped inside a woman's body 
then I was born. Now, this is a classic pullback and reveal, isn't it? Because first of all, you think that when he was younger, um, he, he, he was like somehow, even though he was a woman, he felt like as a gender identity, he was a man. So he felt like a man trapped inside a woman's body. And then he was born, revealing that in fact, he was just a baby trapped inside his, mo- his mother's body. He was a baby in the womb. He was literally a man trapped inside a woman's body. Well, not a man. When I was younger, I felt like a man trapped inside a woman's body, and then I was born. Okay, we're just destroying these jokes, smashing them to smithereens. They don't stand a chance here. You're gonna, I know what you're going to think. You're like, oh, this is British humour. Don't say that, okay? Do not do that, ever, okay? Because it's, it's racist. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Just don't say anything. Do not insult my culture because you didn't understand a joke. All right? It's not, it's not us. Okay. All right. Number two. I was playing chess with my friend and he said, let's make this interesting. So we stopped playing chess. Okay. Now, if you say, hey, let's make this interesting. It sounds like you're suggesting that you do something like maybe add something else to make it exciting. Like, for example, it could be, you know, let's make this interesting. Let's say that every time I take one of your pieces, you have to take a shot of vodka. And if it's a big piece, you've got to take two shots. Let's make this interesting. You know, hey, let's make this interesting. Let's do, let's play like strip poker instead of just poker. Let's make this interesting. So I was playing chess with my friend and he said, let's make this interesting. You imagine he's going to suggest some other thing that they could do to make the chess game more exciting. But he just says, uh, so we stopped playing chess which is a good joke. I was playing chess and he said, hey, let's make this interesting. So we stopped playing chess because basically chess is boring. That's the suggestion. I know there are many f- chess fans out there going, what? Number three, love is like, this is a good one. <laughs> Seal of quality, I think. Love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably shit. That's good. That's a good joke because it's true. First of all, it's funny because it's true. It's just a true fact about love. But also, it's a clever use of word play. Uh, and it's a simile as well. This is like this, you know, two things that are similar. Um, so if you have to force it, if you force something, it's like you've got to use force to try and make something work. Now, you could force uh, poo, if you can imagine that. Don't think about it too much, but you could force a poo, if you can imagine. But also you can force a situation. Like, for example, love. If you're in a relationship with someone and you don't really love them, but you're pretending to love them, which is a terrible thing to do, then it feels like it's forced. It's like you're sort of uh, forcing yourself to do it. It's forced. So love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably shit. That's a good joke, isn't it? Come on. Right, you just laugh intellectually. You don't have to laugh like physically. Uh, just in your brain, you can just be like, "Ding, yeah, okay, I acknowledge that's funny." That's what comedians do when when comedians tell each other jokes. They don't laugh. They're just like, "Yeah, that's funny." It's interesting that we don't laugh at each other's jokes uh, unless we're just sort of messing around and trying to make each other laugh. If we're comparing our our material, you'll tell a joke to other comedian and be like, "Yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, oh, that's good." So you could just be like that. It's just the sort of comedian part of your brain can be just being um, stimulated here. Number five was, I was raised as an only child, which really annoyed my sister. That's a pullback and reveal as well, because I was raised as an only child suggests that the, the kid didn't have any brothers and sisters, because that's what an only child is. I was raised as an only child, which really annoyed my sister. Now, the thing is, you can be raised as something, meaning... 
that that's what you are, but also you can be raised in in that way. Okay, if you are raised as an only child, it's it means that the, your parents brought you up as if you were an only child. But in fact, in this case, he had a sister. So I was raised as an only child, which really annoyed my sister, reveals that he wasn't in fact an only child. It's just that that's the way that his parents raised him. They probably ignored his sister for whatever reason. Okay. Number six, I was thinking of running a marathon, but this is a pun, a word joke on the word run. To run a marathon has got two possible meanings. Like the way you can run a business, run a company, meaning organize the whole thing. But running a marathon is literally running it with your legs or organizing it. You see, that's the joke. I was thinking of running a marathon, but I think it might be too difficult getting all the roads closed and providing enough water for everyone. Okay, just a little stupid joke on the on the double meaning of run there. My wife told me sex is better on holiday. That wasn't a nice postcard to receive. Another pullback and reveal, you see. We think that uh, his wife has just said it to him. Maybe after they've had sex, maybe they're on holiday, they've just had sex. And she says, oh, sex is better on holiday. But in fact, she wrote it to him in a postcard, which actually means that she's on holiday without him having sex with someone else. It's an effective... It's a little story, isn't it? My wife told me sex is better on holiday. That wasn't a nice postcard to receive. I like it. I think it's a good little story. It tells you a whole story, doesn't it? Number eight, if you arrive fashionably late in Crocs, you're just late. So there is an expression to be fashionably late. That's when you, let's say the party, the host of the party says, hey, you know, come from eight o'clock. The party starts at eight and you arrive at like 9.30, like you're cool. Oh yeah, we just came from another party at 9.30. Uh, you arrive fashionably late. Okay. I don't know what the expression is in your language, but in English we say to be fashionably late. It's like to be cool to be late, you know. Uh, but if you arrive fashionably late in Crocs, you're just late. Crocs are like those plastic... Uh, sandals, like big fat uh, plastic sandals. Some people think they look very ugly, and if you can't, you can't be fashionable in them. So if you arrive fashionably late, if you arrive at the party late but cool, uh, in and you're wearing Crocs, you're not fashionably late. You're just late because Crocs are not fashionable. Okay, how are we all doing out there in podcast land? Are you okay? All right. Number nine. I was watching the London Marathon and I saw one runner dressed as a chicken and another runner dressed as an egg. And I thought, oh, this could get interesting. I like this a lot. I think this is really funny. But you need to know the expression, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Do you know that expression? It's like a chicken egg situation. What came first, the chicken or the egg? And it's supposed to be a sort of conundrum where you're not sure which thing caused the other thing to happen. Like, we don't know if this caused that to happen or if that caused this to happen. Like, you know, it's a chicken and egg situation. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, in this case, the guy was running, watching the running, mar- uh, he was watching the London Marathon and he saw a, dr- a runner dressed as a chicken and another runner dressed as an egg. And he thought, which one's going to come first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, okay, it's a timeless question. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, apparently he... Uh, He was about to see that in the marathon. Okay, then. Number 10. I like this joke a lot. This may be the best one, I think. I'm sure wherever my dad is, he's looking down on us. Now, this suggests that his dad is dead, but he thinks that he's up in heaven somewhere because people say that, you know, you know, wherever my dad is, he's looking down on us now. People say that, you know, their loved ones have gone to heaven and that they're for some reason looking down on us as if they've got nothing better to do. But anyway, they're, they're looking down on us. So he suggest- it seems that he's dead. And then he says, well, but he's not dead. He's just very condescending. 
very nice. It's a pun and it's a pullback and reveal because to look down on someone has a literal meaning and an idiomatic meaning. So here's a nice phrasal verb for you. You may know it already. I don't know. But anyway, to look down on someone can literally mean when you're looking from a higher position, let's say heaven, and you're looking down on, you know, from above, that's looking down on someone. But also in the idiomatic sense, it means kind of um, looking with judgment and like, you know, negative judgment. So judging someone negatively, like uh, thinking that they are lower than you, um, thinking that you're better than them. You look down on them like they're just some kind of scum to look down on someone. And to be condescending means to to speak to people in that way, to speak to people as if they're very stupid, you know, you know, like, uh, it's, could you could you clean my car? Yes, that's right. It's the blue one with the four wheels. That's right. Do you think you could manage that? That's to be condescending. So wherever my dad is, I'm sure he's looking down on us. He's not dead. He's just very condescending. I like that because, again, it tells a little story about how his dad is sort of this condescending person. Uh, Number 11. This is a a cheesy gag, a pun. Um, And I quite like the, the clumsy nature of this pun. My granny was recently beaten to death by my granddad. So... To beat someone to death, you'd imagine it would be with a weapon, like a baseball bat, and some horrible crime where someone hit someone with a baseball bat until they died. He beat him to death. But then it's got another meaning, which would be like to beat someone to something. So if there's a race, let's say we're racing to get to the pub, and you get there first, then you beat me to the pub. You see, you got there first. So that's where the joke is. It's to beat someone to death. You imagine that um, she actually hit her husband until he died. But in fact, she just died before him. So she beat him to death. Oh, my God. Just these jokes are just lying broken in pieces on the floor. Just unrepairable damage to these jokes. They're never going to survive this episode. But, you know, I said before, it's like dissecting a frog. You might learn something, but the frog dies in the process. Um, Number 13, I went to Waterstones, the bookshop, and asked the woman for a book about turtles. She said, hardback. And I was like, yeah, and little heads. All right. Now, I'm sure you didn't get that, but hardback means two things. Hardback can mean a hardback book. You know, there's two types of book. You've got the softback or paperback. And the hardback, those are the ones that are kind of you know, you can knock your knuckles against them because they've got a hard card cardboard cover. Uh, that's a hardback book. So hardback, but also uh, turtles have got hard backs. So uh, I asked for a book about turtles and she said hardback. And I was like, yeah, and little heads. I mean, yes, they do have hardbacks and they have little heads as well. Uh, and that reminds me of another joke by Tim Vine, which is, hello, I'd like to buy a watch. And the guy said, analog. And I said, no, just the watch, thanks. So analog, you get two types of watch. There's digital watches and analog watches. Okay, but also analog sounds a bit like and a log. A log is a piece of wood. So I'd like to buy a watch, please. Analog, no, just the watch. (laughs) Okay. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we've gone through all the jokes. Uh, What was that like for you? I would really love to know. I mean... You know, I imagine that it was, I don't know, 
it wasn't the same experience that I had when I read through the list. When I first encountered the list and I read through it and I had a little chuckle to myself like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, I laughed a little bit. Uh, I shared some with a, a friend of mine. We both laughed. And I was like, yeah, this could be a good episode of the podcast. And so I've just done it all. But what's it like for you? Was that hideous or, or was that quite fun? How many of those jokes did you get the first time round? How many jokes did you get once I explained them? Did you understand the joke and just not find it funny? Or do you still feel like you're missing something? All of those jokes will be available on the page for this episode on the website, teacherluke.co.uk. So you can read the jokes and check out any of those words and phrases that you're not sure about. Um, But I would love to know what your experience has been in this episode, whether it's been fun, funny, uh, an interesting learning experience or what. Okay, so leave your comments in the comments section. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget that you really must sign up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. I'm doing some advertising for myself here. Um... Like I, re- I released uh, another episode just a couple of days ago and um, my premium subscribers uh, are, are writing some nice things to me about how they're appreciating the sort of level of detail that I'm going into with the language. So, you know, if you're interested in learning vocabulary and learning grammar and really digging down into the language properly and doing listen and repeat drills for pronunciation and all that stuff. And it's, you know, we teach. I'm teaching, but there's fun to be had too. I like to have a laugh in my episodes, either normal ones or premium ones. So come on, join the gang and become a premium subscriber. It'll cost you basically like the price of a coffee every month. That's what I'm talking about here. I mean, it's, it's good value, I have to say. Come on, considering the amount of work I put into the premium episodes, I think it's good value. There should be about two episodes per month, plus other bonus extra stuff, which is coming to the premium package very, very soon. I'm working on it at the moment, okay? All right, life is good. I'm I'm spending more time doing the podcast. Now I've launched the premium service, it's making me some money because people keep buying me coffee every month. And so that means I've got a bit more freedom. And it's, I have to say, this is amazing. I've been doing this podcast for nine years. And for nine years, I've been talking about somehow finding some way of making a living from doing this. And the premium service is starting to work for me. And I think it's a good model for the podcast because I can talk to you one-to-one like this in normal episodes. I can, you know, talk about all sorts of different subjects. We can do anything. The world is my oyster, as premium subscribers will know. Uh, my world, the world is my oyster, really, for this. And so I can do whatever I want. But then on the other side, we've got the premium service, where, which is where I can teach you. I'm teaching you, basically. These are lessons based on language that's come up naturally in the podcast. And there's me teaching you. I've been teaching for 17 years. So it's good to finally marry the two things together, just the fun of doing the podcast and some proper teaching. Um, so get involved, uh, teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. And uh, that would be awesome. And let's make this happen. I'm, I'm going to continue doing the podcast and uh, I'm going to expand my horizons with more things as um, the premium subscription opens up more possibilities for me. It means I can devote more time to this and this can become more and more my full-time work, which is like a dream come true for me personally, but hopefully is good news for you too, because it means that, well, the podcast is going to go from strength to strength, I think. All right. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to reading what you have to say in the comments section. Uh, And I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.